I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Dustin Kosky. And I'm Am Kosky. And we love to watch. We love to watch Chekhov's Pogo Stick. Hey, Pete. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Adam. Oh, it's exhausting with four people. <laughs> that, that's what you gotta she greet said. one person and then another person and then you're like finally done oh my gosh there's a whole other person oh i act i activated my uh my co-host in sneak mode <laughs> it's fine you know what it's fine i said for my new year's resolution I'd, I'd work out more so i think this is my exercise for the day having to talk to one more person <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, Peter, you realize I'm going to have to do that the entire episode tonight. Like, wow. I'm, I'm not going to say who the extra person is. It's Dustin. But, uh. <laughs> do you think they're talking about me? <laughs> um, so, no, uh, but Dustin, uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming back. We, we love having you on. You guys do have an open invitation. And it's telling that I can't even tell you what number this is anymore because you have at least been on, I would say, Eight to nine percent of all of our episodes. Hooray! That statistically sounds accurate. <laughs> oh, no, all right. I've, che- I've checked the seismograph for our number of appearances, and it's saying uh, that inconclusive. <laughs> it's it's really wonderful that you guys uh, have uh, been so so supportive of the show, and we uh, we welcome you guys back uh, with uh, open arms. So thank you guys so for coming so uh, <laughs> thank you guys for coming back um, and tongues sticking out of the ground. Today <laughs> yes, I understand today might be uh, a little bit more of a divisive episode between the four of us, but we'll see where we'll see where we get. It's um, not. I so- watched it again. Now we agree. Oh, good. <laughs> I decided to be right. <laughs> Dustin's like, I, you know, I don't even understand this movie. Why are there all these farting monsters? And it's like, that's the third one, Dustin. You watched Tremors 3. <laughs> Oh, you, oh, okay, I'll watch the right one, this one. You mean the one in the Old West? Oh, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happens um, in... I, I, I don't know what happens in Tremors 2. Obviously, nothing memeable. Aftershocks. So, so I want to, I want to, uh, I want to talk about our show a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, we love to watch is a movie podcast, the first of its kind, the last of its <laughs> kind, and it will be uh, a themed movie podcast. It has been for for forever. The but, rebranding, but it will be. That's what's important. Yes, you don't want to go home to your house and be like, "Hey, my house stood here for five years." You want to know if the house is going to be there another five years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't want to throw people off, make them think that you know something else is happening in the future. We're going to be a themed podcast. No more rebrands. And what we do is we take four <laughs> or five movies. Uh, Anyone who's listening to this is going to be like, "I think they're going to rebrand." <laughs> <laughs> If you guys can't tell, we haven't been doing the uh, welcoming new listeners to the show thing for very long. But yeah, we take four or five movies every month, and they're all within a loose theme, and we compare and contrast them, and uh, yeah, we get to kind of have some fun with some similar movies every month, uh, and we like to have wonderful guests on, so we brought on Dustin. And also, this month, 
is this is our nostalgia audit month, and we're doing yes. uh, it's the second week, and we're doing uh, the nineteen ninety movie uh, Tremors, and our guests, as you heard, are Adam and Dustin Kosky. Uh, officially welcome. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourself a little? We're a pair of freelance writers for Crack.com, Listverse.com, and Top10s.net. We also produce uh, self-published fantasy fiction. Adam reads seeds and I move furniture as real jobs. Do you guys ever get confused and Dustin accidentally breeds furniture and Adam's move <laughs> seeds? <laughs> well, he does move furniture. Well, he does move seeds as part of his reading of them. I suppose. You gotta bump two seeds together. <laughs> plant, right? No, you just walk around the room. The seeds are carefully arrayed for him, and he has to walk around looking at each one. <laughs> Great. So, Aaron, do we Aaron, do we have a game this week? So we didn't talk about it. Here's what here's here was my thought, Peter. Let me know if mm-hmm. you agree with my thought. The ideally, if you have a partnership with someone, you should never talk about things beforehand and just try to surprise each other with every moment. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how you keep we'll a relationship today. So yes. That's how you keep a relationship fresh. So you keep it hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Constant surprises. Our our sex is amazing and also usually a surprise to one of us. Um, <laughs> so, um, sometimes both. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we surprise ourselves and roll over together and then, you know. The magic happens. Uh, so here was the bet I took. I bet that Dustin and Adam would ma- would write a game. I didn't check with them either. And worst case scenario, if they didn't, we don't do one. We didn't write a game this time. <laughs> you guys really didn't write a game? We did not. We, we thought of a concept for a game, though. So it's more like a whose line is it anyway game. Okay, um, so walk us through the concept over the next okay. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's called Three Things About Them. You have to name three things about us from past episodes. Okay. Well, the f- the, f- the seat the, thing. The, the, the <laughs> that's taken. <laughs> okay. It can't be from this episode. It can't be. Okay. It can't Previous be episodes. Uh, you, you, bo- both of your dads... Uh, we're, we're train conductors. Same person. <laughs> but <laughs> both of them. That's how brothers work. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's how you say it, right? I know language. Yeah. Um, um, you guys worked on... Uh, this is just an extended about you sequence. <laughs> Let's see what we get. Yeah, but we don't have to do the work. Here's what we do. Yeah. Here's what we, Actually, instead of three things, let's do this. Whoever... We'll go back and forth. We'll rotate. Whoever runs out of facts oh, loses. Okay. 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 Um, So Aaron did a couple. uh, You guys wrote a uh, fantasy book called Forest, A Tale of Magic Gone Wrong. That is very good. Thank you. Please let Amazon know. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. No, uh, please Uh, let Amazon know that our book is very good. (laughs) (laughs) We can do that. Uh, Dustin, I believe you used to work at the library. That's right. Uh, is it Peter's turn now, or it's is Peter's it? Turn? Well, we can we can okay. I was some around it. I wasn't sure if if now Adam and I were involved were contestants too. <laughs> well, no, you just tell us if we're right about yourselves. Okay, okay. Uh, gotcha. Dustin and Adam also work on a podcast called uh, The Vanishing Point. Thank you. Yes. Um, the Vanishing Point is lovely. Little, uh, little horror tales that uh, are that's wrong. Just the right length. <laughs> They're not those like hour and a half deals where you're like. Fuck, this is like three commutes. Um, 
This is, it's perfect length for, for, you know, getting you where you need to go. Uh, Dustin, if he could marry his true love, uh, he would have to find a state where marrying a bag of money was legalized. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> well, oh. it is, but then the government takes the way <laughs> your wife. Takes half of your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's legal there. Um, Adam once, on a dare... Uh, decided to be adopted by Dustin's father. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to tell you this, <laughs> Dustin. Yeah, this was the... Sorry, we all wrote this game uh, behind your back. <laughs> we thought this was the easiest way to tell you. <laughs> now, now I'm in a tough place because I want to say that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, uh, Aaron, what uh, what do you what else do you know about Austin? Austin, <laughs> Austin, <laughs> celebrity couple name, Austin Kosky. <laughs> I yeah. am never this off. This I mean, to miserable. be fair, that is the that is their celebrity couple name. <laughs> Rarely ascribed to siblings. Like I don't think Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal have one of those. Make <laughs> Jeg <laughs> Jaggy. <laughs> Jake, Jakey, oh, every, everyone will know we mean Jake Gyllenhaal and <laughs> when we say Jaggy. Oh, you guys know Jaggy? Oh, they've only started a couple movies together. It's a shame. Um, I feel like you got the last one wrong, though, Peter. <laughs> I'm afraid. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, if we can just start making stuff up, this game is going to go literally forever. <laughs> like, like, we're never going to bed. <laughs> so, uh, so I think we've exhausted that premise. Uh, I, I know more about Dustin and Adam than Peter by one. <laughs> no, I, I know one thing more. And we learned a new one. I'll say it right now. Adam kind of wishes he was adopted. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, do you guys want to start talking about uh, a true story of family and love? Uh, tremors? Let's talk about Tremors, where there is uh, also horse murder. Tortured a horse, of course, of course. Back to We Love to Watch. Uh, we're going to start talking about a little movie called Trevor's. Um, Peter, I think I'm alternate taglines. You are quick recap. Uh, and I do have a couple alternate taglines today. Did a little bit of preparation, uh, which is why when it's when they're met with silence, it's going to hurt that much more. <laughs> because, because at least normally I can just walk it off and go, well, I put no effort into it. So who cares if I get love back? But... It's going to be different this time. Don't worry, Pete laughs around the way. (laughs) Okay. That's why I I preface it a lot. So both of my taglines are based on the fact that if you've ever ever seen this poster, it's kind of a a Jaws uh, rip Parody? Not rip-off. Parody. Yeah, parody. Which is like a a giant T-Rex looking thing coming out of the sand to get Kevin Bacon and his friends. And actually, funnily enough, one of the original titles of this movie was called Land Sharks, (laughs) which... 
feels like not a great one. Anyway, so my alternate taglines are just when you thought it was safe to clean septic tanks in the desert for a living. (laughs) 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 Pretty good. Um, And then, uh, you know, this is based on all those, like, it's Jaws with claws. It's, uh, it's Jaws with evolutionary flaws. <laughs> because they die really, really, really easily. Um, they, they're they basically like sacks just waiting to explode at the, the lightest touch, which is pretty impressive considering they're burrowing through the earth at top speed. Um, but I'm looking forward to Adam explaining the science behind uh, the Graboids. Uh, Peter, why don't you walk us through the plot? The movie Tremors is basically about two uh, handymen, uh, handymen who are working in uh, the desert of Nevada near the small town perfection. That's where most of their jobs are coming from. And, uh, you know, just doing odd jobs. And they uh, run into the they, they decide they're going to get it out of town. They, they're sick of this bullshit. They want to, you know, go do something bigger. Um, I mean, so it's they, a good it's a good breaking point for them. Because they do have shit spilled all over them. Yeah, like, yeah. That's nope. a pretty good point to lose your patience is when yeah. you're covered in feces. Uh, I feel like that's a nice thing, like, socially acceptable way to lose your shit is when you're literally covered in shit. Yeah. I'll be honest. It's when I'm at my least reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one thing I can work on in 2018. Yeah. Just being more patient when I'm covered in feces. Well, if you have uh, a baby, you definitely need to be. Yeah. Mine is yeah. less hypothetical than Peter's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, uh, these two guys are running out of town, but they get stopped in multiple ways. The first way is they run into uh, what they think is the town drunk hiding up on top of a power tower. They go up to get him and he's dead. He died of dehydration. He was scared of something on the ground. Uh, then they bring him back and then uh, they, they try and get out of town by uh, driving down um, a road. And in the road, it's like been caved in, basically. And throughout this, what they what they basically think is like something funky is going to town. Maybe there's a murderer or, you know, some some sort of animal tax. Uh, they say literally that there's probably, probably a, a serial killer. Loose. Yeah. Um, and uh, they the, the, what we don't know or what they don't know, but we do know is that there is a yeah Jaws like POV monster moving under the ground. To kill he kills the doctor and his wife. Obviously, he killed the town drunk off screen. He kills some construction workers um, who are working on the road, and these guys just basically can't get out of town. And they almost get eaten. They they go back, and then we meet like we get to really like meet and codify this group of perfection and there's like two gun nuts there's uh you know a shopkeep you know a family like uh you know a a mom and a daughter and then there's uh a uh, father and a son separate another just guy there's a victor wong yeah (laughs) victor wong is the shop and uh basically it's just this group of people with very specific sort of uh sort of ticks sort of personalities and they're trying to figure out what these monsters are the monsters uh eventually beset the small town they move in on the small town and they have to uh, all the people have to get up on their roofs because the monsters can burst through the floor and the the people sort of get picked off one by one until they formulate this plan to get the fuck out of town by riding this uh this cat piece of construction equipment that can drag a trailer behind it they drag it off to the mountains and then all of them together 
uh, sort of kill one of the beasts by trying to um, by throwing dynamite and sort of fishing for it. And then the other one gets killed when Kevin Bacon uh, sort of tricks this thing into burrowing underneath and out of a cliff. He's a roadrunner. Yeah, he's a roadrunner. So he makes them run off the cliff. And that was my terrible quick recap. It's great. Uh, I, I loved it, Peter. Don't be so down on yourself. Uh, so what are these creatures? What are these creatures? They are underwater. They are, I mean, under underwater. Underground <laughs> sharks. They're, they they pick up seismic vibrations. They have no eyes. They'll hunt you. They'll drag you under the ground because that is their domain. They get a little bit smarter in dealing with people, right? So at first they like can't figure out a few like a few things. The the cat really throws them off, um, but eventually they figure out a way to fuck with the cat. Like they seem to they seem to get smarter and smarter as the movie goes on. They get a little confused because at first they're like because they hear sounds, so that's how they identify people. They they find people by sounds. So when they start hiding on top of buildings and trucks, they get confused that there's no people there. And then eventually they're like, oh, let's just knock over these buildings. And then the problem is solved. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like, they're like, oh, shit, we can't get him. He's underneath the floorboards. And they're like, good oh, show. They tell each other after yeah. <laughs> they smashed over a building. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really a battle of wits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this movie doesn't have much uh, history on the old Wikipedia IMDb besides they had a bunch of weird titles. And Kevin Bacon was almost going to quit acting after he was done making this because he thought his career had uh, bottomed out so bad that he was uh, starring in uh, underwater worm movies, as he told his wife. And it was kind of a surprise uh, success. It um, got well reviewed. Did pretty well at the box office. Not great, but uh, but still still uh, still respectable. And then obviously had a unsurprisingly a very good life on home video because as I mentioned, the poster for this fucking kicks ass, and that's kind of what drew me to it as as a as a high school or junior high uh, kid, where I was like, well, this is gonna be good. I was a little worried though because it just it depicts this giant T Rex thing and. You know, I'm looking at the cover and I'm like, well, it's 1990. <laughs> like, they're not going to have realistic dinosaurs. So what am I really in for in this movie? But it did – I mean, the practical effects are great. What what, did you, what are your guys' overall impressions? I know for both Adam and Dustin, uh, you guys don't didn't have any history with this movie and we had a little scare that there might be a gasp uh, disp- uh, differing of opinions. I think I came across it from the public library. I don't recall if I saw the whole thing or not. Um, I think at the time I enjoyed it as a younger person. I think I saw bits and pieces of the sequels every now and then. And then around the time the Sci-Fi Channel was running its series, I like, okay, this is probably overplayed and didn't really <laughs> revisited until you guys presented us kind of some of the options for Nostalgia Month. And then we were, Dust and I kind of did a quick little, okay, here's some <laughs> trailers. I mean, we knew a lot of the movies, but some we didn't. And then we kind of... Just picked on that one because we thought. It I don't think we had any shape. nostalgia for any of them. Oh so no, there was no, nothing not, to audit there. Not love, but just. Uh, so, you, so you guys really have like a lesser of evils situation. You're like, yes, fine. If this is all that's on their schedule, <laughs> but <sighs> but I was pleasantly surprised that the lesser of the evils was a good. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a really fun movie. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is my pick, my nostalgia pick for this week. Um, this is a movie that I think, uh, 
I loved as a kid and I revisited uh, with this sort of like cringing expectation that maybe it was just going to be like a pretty substandard monster movie that like, oh, well, it had Kevin Bacon in it and it had monsters in it. And I was a kid and I loved monsters and I loved Kevin Bacon. So obviously it was a it was a slam dunk. And I was and I loved how being older, a little bit more jaded, having seen a hell of a lot more 80s monster movies, how well put together it is, how thoughtful it is, how much of a um a concerted like movie movie it is there's actual characters in it and all that stuff was a was a wonderful surprise upon a revisit um i also revisited tremors 2 which i was nostalgic for and uh it's i yeah none of the tremor sequels are very good (laughs) no i've never seen them i i know from the reputation yeah yeah they're not the worst thing in the world like they're they're whatever they're making a fifth one right now no they're making Um, a sixth one they made a fifth one in 2015 they made a fifth one yep now they've sunk to jamie kennedy level (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was the fifth one, right? Which is too deep even for the Graboids to get to. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tremors, you've been X'd. <laughs> so I, I think that they kept making them just to keep giving Michael Gross work. <laughs> Which is a noble cause. Michael Gross is awesome. Well, let's let's sit let's sit down here and think about that because uh, the director is not any great director. He's uh, under mostly, mostly a TV director. Um the only other movie he made that I think could be considered, like, good is City Slickers. Do you think they picked him to do it because the Tremors live uh, underground and his last name is Underwood? I think it's because yeah. City Slickers was shot in kind of a deserty environment, so they knew City he Slickers probably came out wouldn't. after this, though. Oh. Well, you just Maybe ruined everything. City Slickers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of it is just, like, a couple episodes here, a couple of episodes there on terrible shows, good shows whatever he did um, hearts and souls which is pretty good yeah, yeah i mean he, he did a ton of episodes of once upon a time which oh. is like a big show so so he's working but so he was he, done with movies sorry to interrupt he was done with movies after he directed the adventures of pluto nash oh okay. yeah that, that would do it <laughs> which is which is yes famously one of the worst movies ever but like it was also like one of those trouble productions where like it's hard to say who the, the blame lies with I, and then um so the director isn't you know much of a notable person i don't think particularly with regards to film uh the writer wrote wild wild west wiki wiki wild west wiki wiki wild he was one of a bunch of guys who wrote Wild, Wild West, so Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if his career. Yeah, I wrote two pages of Wild, Wild West in <laughs> It was just the thing to do. <laughs> Did you write the first boob sketch, the second boob sketch, the third boob he sketch? He wrote the falling in the latrine scene. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that yeah. and my contribution was, of course, saying that Will Smith, every time he's on screen, say something funny. People <laughs> love it. And he's like, Will Smith's like, I like that. I like this. I like this kid. And they're like, get him off the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is <laughs> primarily a Kevin ideas. Klein movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, he, but uh, the writer, uh, S.S. Wilson, not a ship. It was, this movie was not written by a ship. <laughs> or a Nazi. Uh, or a Nazi. <laughs> um, he also wrote Batteries Not Included, which is like yeah, a weird so maybe a Nazi. movie. But he also wrote Short Circuit 2 and Ghost Dad. So, like, the writer isn't really anybody either. Like, Tremors is a, is a movie that, like, it's not like y- you can click on it and go, like, oh, you know, it makes sense. You got all the right people in the right place. And you're like, not really. 
these people were just it's like mean streets of monster movies. Yeah, this is just like a a confluence of good of good people. Like, this is just a everybody confluence was at their of best. people not making bad decisions. Yes, everybody was at their best. Like I like Fred Ward. Fred Ward is great, but like he he's also not like particularly like one of those great actors like a Harry Dean Stanton or something. You throw him in the movie and all you think about is Harry Dean Stanton for 10 minutes. Like, yeah, he um, got his life sucked up by Michael Rooker in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did they never make a movie where those two two were brothers? So let's talk about so one thing I think this movie really gets right and I think got a lot of press at the time was that this was like not only like the first like universal monster movie in decades with a new character because it is a monster movie. It is made by Universal and that that did not go without comment when the movie came out. But it also came out like well before – the 70s had a lot of like Jaws copies. Uh, some of them just trying to cash in. Some of them kind of – lovingly parroting uh, like a piranha or something like this, which is actually the the movie that this reminds me the most of is Piranha uh, because it's, it's relatively yeah. serious but funny, but it's not a parody as it sometimes gets called. And I think Tremor sometimes gets called a comedy, which I would not call it even though it is a funny horror movie. But anyways, I digress. So this, this kind of came at a dearth of monster movies in general. Uh, it didn't get to the – you know, the, the 90s, late 90s and early 2000s all of a sudden had like a re-glut of like eight-legged freaks and giant spiders because they were all like – movie studios were excitedly using a CGI in this way that would be unwatchable six months later. So this really was not just a um, a kind of funny return to Universal to the monster movie genre that kind of started it, but also – a kind of island of a monster movie in a sea of either low budget or just non-existent uh, studio monster movies. Can't think of any. Yeah, I'm wrecking my brain right now, and I'm trying to blank too. Mostly it was slasher dominated through yeah. this period, of course. Yeah, it's also not. It's also not like a, a gore fest. You bring up a good point with the slasher thing. Like it's not a gore fest, uh, even though it has. P- this is a bit. Of- yeah, it shouldn't be rated PG thirteen. Like. They show a guy's brain. You can't show a brain well, in PG-13. You don't know that that's brain. That could just be I mean, like blood or skin or – I think if you can't like – Adam is a scientist. Do you <laughs> yeah. think that was a brain? <laughs> yeah, as someone that looks at seeds to see how they grow, yes. I, I know for sure that that was a guy's brain. <laughs> did, the, did it seem like they – Made the blood orangish to try to get around that to do that sort of MPA yeah. dodge where if it's red that then it's obscene but if it's not quite red then it's fine. That's true. That's true. It also makes it a little bit more. I think it for um, the audience. I think that having Technicolor blood because it's sort of it, it is pretty orange, especially in the last shot where the the uh, Tremors blood. Um, explodes everywhere when it lands on the on the ground after the the cliff fall. There's an earlier shot where somebody is accidentally jackhammering into one of the graboids. Yeah, and there the blood is really red. And it's yes, I remember that 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 was a shot that I like got little nostalgia pangs for. I was like, oh, I remember the shot. It's like one of the coolest shots in the movie because he accidentally fucks up a graboid without even trying, which is kind of the story for the first like until basically the gun nuts show up. 
it's just people mostly like killing them on accident like they jump over the the little the little jump and then it runs into a brick wall or a concrete wall that kind of bugged me the first time i saw it because like how am i supposed to be afraid of the graboids if they can kill them accidentally like if, yeah if, if godzilla died by accident in any of his movies like one of the human beings sort of backs their truck into his foot that kills him I, I don't think i can take godzilla seriously ever again but dustin from godzilla's perspective he's always killed on accident he makes a move that he shouldn't have he's not killing himself on purpose you realize <laughs> That'd be a much darker series. It's just about what? a massive, like, like, massive look, kaiju that's constantly committing you're suicide. You're right that in Godzilla, people kill him on purpose. But from Godzilla's perspective, all of those things are accidents. <laughs> They're mistakes that so, Godzilla made. To what? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm following entirely. Is, is there oh, one Godzilla no, where the humans look, trick him into going up a ladder to put a clock on a wall and he falls off. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that Godzilla sees missiles coming towards him hypothetically and he goes I'm going to dodge that. Oh, whoops! Too late. So it's an accident from his perspective. I don't think failing to <laughs> save yourself is necessarily an accident. It's yeah. Oh, see, so, I would say. so every death of this movie oh, let me is ask, an Okay, let me lawyer you for a sec, Dustin. Okay. If you see a car in front of you and you're driving and you fail to turn in time to not hit him, what is that called? Legally. If the other person is trying to hit you, he's trying. <laughs> I mean, then every death in this gonna, movie is an look, accident look, because everybody look, is failing Dustin, to I'm going to level with you. It's a bit that didn't work. It's getting cut out. <laughs> oh, keep going. So this bit was an uh-huh. accident. You're saying, yeah. So this anyway, an so when the. When, when, when twice the creature kills itself, uh, it, it, you know, being duped, basically. Um, the first time I see it as a fluke, that's why I think the creature still has a threat. Like they, the, the creature is so excited to catch them. And so, and it's such a weird setup. Like they can't just like go run out in the desert, make a bunch of noise and hop off that thing. Like it's not a, a dependable thing that they could do over and over again. And then at the end it of the movie, like there's serious, be. there's at the end of the movie, there's a serious risk. Like if Kevin Bacon doesn't join out, jump out in time, it doesn't matter that the thing isn't going to get to eat him. The thing is going to kill him on the way out. So there's like, it's them having to make like a risk. So it's something that like, also I don't think is a dependable way of killing them that you would just, you know, do over and over again. Like you would in a video game, you know, when you're playing a video game and you're just like, Oh, I figured out the dumb trick to kill this annoying type of, of enemy. I'm just going to keep, you know, standing in the other room and shooting him from there because he doesn't know how to go through doors. Like something like that. Cheesing uh, it, I think it's called. There's nothing dependable about the way that they that they do that. It's just like it, it just happens to work twice, which is I think what keeps the threat in it for me. Yeah, it, it's also worth it. I think just because this movie being rated PG-13 gets that one F word, and they go pretty big uh, right after that scene with the with their fuck when when he hits the wall and Kevin Bacon screams for everything he's worth. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it had more f bombs in there before, and then the MPAA just told him, "Hey, wasn't it like crazy? Wasn't it like crazy? It was like twenty or fucks or something." Yeah, there's a scene where a character calls them a motherfucker. I think Michael Gross calls them motherfuckers, and then Kevin Bacon on the radio 
you know, calls them motherfuckers back. But in the dub, he they calls them like mother lickers. Uh, humpers, I think. Yeah, mother humpers. Yeah, mother um, licker sounds is, almost worse to it. Way yeah, it worse. <laughs> Don't lick my mom. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like I'm thinking about like fucker is just like a, a general set of sexual uh, means that you could get in with someone. Mother licker is very specific. Like you're painting a picture now. My favorite is when the doctor is being dragged underground and he does, and they dub him yelling, "Get me the heck out of here." <laughs> oh, golly gee <laughs> I would like to leave now so uh, oh what I was saying earlier is the blood thing the orange blood thing um, so the creature design uh, basically is these slugs with they have no real features except for these barbs that they pull themselves along and then these fucked up like a uh, mandible looking mouths with like spikes almost on their face that come to a point and then some other ones it looks very uh, beetle like um, yeah they've got like shells on the front and the back is just like a big dinosaur tail so uh this movie and its sequel were designed by Phil Tippett's studio uh, Phil Tippett was a special effects guy. He did some some really good movies. He did Jurassic he also, Park, right? Yes, he did some. He, I think Stan Winston might have worked with him at some point for Jurassic Park. I'm trying to remember. He did work on Jurassic Park as crew. Um, he also worked on RoboCop and its sequels. He worked on at least Return of the Jedi. Yeah, he worked on New Hope and Pir- and Piranha as well. Aaron. Um, be appropriate if he'd made the sarlacc pit because oh my god yeah yeah, this is a moving sarlacc pit that's true that's true um and he he did howard the duck which is like you know not a good movie but like it has which is scarier than a graboid it's a very creepy movie (laughs) jeffrey rush in that movie is super creepy um so uh robocop willow and anyways my point is he worked on a little movie called starship troopers in 1997 um do you know where the starship troopers bug design came from Tremors? Tremors 2. He, oh. It was a leftover It was a leftover design from the Tremors series, basically, which is, oh. is kind of kind of funny because, like, I think of the Starship Troopers monsters as super iconic. Do you mean, like, the one were, that pops up and kills Michael Ironside or more of them? Uh, the, uh, he did, he worked on all of the, the monsters. All of them, okay. He, the key bug, the key bug was a leftover from the, um... Uh, uh, you know, the, the main the soldier beetle, you know, like the main unit um, was basically a uh, a leftover from Tremors 2, which is uh, really funny because like they do kind of look like cousins. If you look at the particularly the face and now the face is just like all violent points. I wonder okay. what happens to yeah different designs that if the original drawers tried to recycle them to other places or if they just you, they you, because they made that work because it's work for hire the copyright goes to their employer oh so yeah it is possible for an artist to do a bunch of stuff and then rip themselves off because they already did that work for a different studio it's a really cool thing because uh i think the monsters in tremors are pretty pretty fucking scary like they keep getting smart the fact that they keep getting smarter and smarter and despite the fact that twice they die by basically just like getting duped um, looney tunes death yeah the idea of being sucked under the earth is terrifying uh our, our mom has like a deathly fear of the old black and white movie uh the mole people for that reason 
even though yeah. that is not but a scary movie by any means. But apparently this movie she's fine with. <laughs> this movie is very graphic about it. The scene with the death of the doctor is very creepy to me. Even um, though he says heck instead what he should be saying fuck. And uh, yeah. the wife too that was being buried within a car and oh yeah that's very close very claustrophobic way to die that is that is a very creepy way to die because you think about the fact that they are in that chamber the car is getting dragged down and the camera cuts away to a a wide shot of just the headlights going vertical it's a great shot getting swallowed it is so creepy and it's a great way to set up that these things um can take down anything like it doesn't matter <laughs> they'll it doesn't matter that you're in a car you're not safe at all yeah it's it's great later on too when they like move the sand away from the headlights and are like yeah oh i think that's really uh, i i think if you like want to be screenplay nitpicker all you need is the moving the sand away from the headlights for that to have impact but it's a all right scene uh, it definitely justifies its existence. I would say, honestly, my only real problem with this movie, and while we're talking about the doctor scene, is that uh, I think this movie needs a needs to begin with a town meeting, um, some sort of fight at the bar, something, something to sort of bring all the characters together in the first act where we can see who all their different personalities are. And uh, spend a little bit more. The movie is an hour and 36, which is, you know, perfect length for a monster movies. It moves really fast. It moves really fast. I wouldn't mind another five or ten minutes, uh, even if they have to, you know, make some room elsewhere. Uh, I wouldn't mind an extra five or ten minutes uh, establishing uh, who are the core people in the town. What are their old relationships? Because when they get to the third act and they're all trapped on the rock and Michael Gross and Kevin Bacon and, and Burt Ward are all sort of fighting with each other. I it be, it love, more... love when Burt Ward shows up in the third act. Really surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crab boys, Batman. Holy crab boys, Batman. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, Burt Ward just comes in and tries to fuck everyone. Uh, <laughs> Have you guys read Surprise my book? <laughs> but, uh, but, but uh, they're they're fighting, and it's a it's a very uh, it's a very like fun little conflict to have at the end because yeah, people get pissed at each other. Like this was your dumbass plan, and it didn't work. It would have more narrative import, I think, at the beginning if you saw them getting along or them clashing about politics or. There is a little or... bit of that though. You do get a sense that they think that Michael Gross's character is insane because they make some they, comments yeah. like we're never going to be able to make fun of him for all this stuff you realize that so there is enough i think conflict to see like michael gross was not treated with like reverence it's just he happened to be living through the only reason that you would ever need to amass that level of arsenal (laughs) like i love that i love that i love that he's in this movie and they they let him use his thing where they burst through the fucking wall and they have this great scene what'd you guys think of that scene where they burst through the the oh yeah that that's the single funniest shot of the movie when (laughs) they reveal all those guns yeah it is so funny i just keep imagining what happened if the graboid came from the other direction (laughs) <laughs> then all the all the guns would go off and it would shoot its own head up. <laughs> it's a great scene because it's it's great compositing. I don't know if it's supposed to be a commentary on the idea of like 
this is the only way that these this would be uh, come useful if giant underground worm monsters attack. But uh, it does kind of hit that point pretty pretty hilariously. It's more like it's the only benevolent way all those guns would become useful. And this movie basically takes place uh, in the same world we're in, where, you know, there's these conservative people who are kind of gun nuts and like everybody's kind of laughing at them and then they become useful and then everyone depends on them to save them. And then even the gun nuts are baffled that their, their, you know, devices aren't working. Like yeah, that he can't he's... shoot through the dirt at the graboids. Because... Ele- yeah, my elephant gun doesn't even work. And of course, Reba McIntyre's like, hey, I'm a gun nut too. You're acting insane. <laughs> yeah, I'm a responsible gun nut. I only own 40. Yeah. You own 70. You are this is like, ridiculous. He's, he's got to be like the most benevolent alt-conservative guy in a movie like this because he's not sexist towards his wife. He doesn't there's no like sign that he has all the other baggage that we associate with sort of extremist conservatives. So basically, also, if you guys haven't seen any of the sequels, Burt becomes a hero um, throughout all of them. I'm sure in Tremors 4, the Wild West one, it's like great great grandpappy Burt or something. I think also, you're accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, also a cowboy gun nut. Um, Does he fire a cannon at the graboid after it tries to break into his rec room? No, graboid. I don't remember. I don't remember, but it is exactly the kind of movie where you're like, Wild West versus Tremors, that sounds amazing. And you see the movie and you're like, that was not amazing. (laughs) They can do Wild West sci-fi. Well, maybe someday, but there's just something about the juxtaposition that sucks all of the fun out of it we've gotten a few good wild west horror movies so i have hope for you know near dark some, near yeah, dark maybe. bone tomahawk uh Hunger. ravenous ravenous i keep on calling it the wrong thing and i kind of disagree with you about you wishing it were more of an ensemble piece because really it's about val and earl who have this excellent chemistry i was sure when when i first saw val and were introduced to him pissing off of a cliff. I thought this was going to be Joe Dirt. I thought it was going to be Warworld. <laughs> oh my god, they do they do a really good job of not Hollywoodizing these two guys, like not making not making fun of them for being working class guys. Like they yeah, they it, also are pissed off when they're doing something that's below their dignity. Like they're and they're 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 not bumpkins. They're not idiots. They just like. I have worked, accents. <laughs> I have worked a couple of shit kicker jobs, and I don't. I don't think there's been one guy I've worked with who didn't have basically their attitudes. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's it, very real that they aspire to be something else. They've got like the chemistry that Kevin Smith was going for in Clerks, but instead he just cast two Melvins as the lead. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, but I, I do love how they avoid the two Hollywood pitfalls of casting movies about poor or working class people. The first is that you make fun of them. You make a big, big dumb joke, which, you know, like Joe Dirt is kind of funny, but it's also like incredibly condescending. Uh, I would probably rather hang out with Joe Dirt than uh, David Spade. <laughs> and and two, you do the um, the other pitfall is that you do this sort of like noble suffering thing, like where you like sort of like 
Uh, it's a bunch of rich people basically looking down on these poor people in middle America. And like, isn't it so sad they have to live that way and then do nothing for them? Like politically yeah. for the, re- the rest of your life, you just worry about preaching to rich, rich Democrats like that is that is the two pitfalls that Hollywood movies usually fall in. I think. You, you get the impression Val and Earl can leave. They can advance themselves socially, but they're in kind of they're in a rut that's just comfortable enough that they're yes. willing to coast. Well, they say it, right? Because they say, yeah, they could go to Bixby. They, well, no, they say, That's their- I can't believe that we turned down free beer. It's like the town, <laughs> the town has kind of figured out how much passion is actually behind their move, like how adamant they are about moving and how all it takes is like one little thing to sweeten the deal and they'll turn back around. So they kind of surprise themselves. I do like Earl's line, though, um, as they keep trying to leave and then they find, you know, dead people or get attacked by giant worms where he says – is there some sort of like higher force at work here stopping us? <laughs> Which is so great because like the idea that uh, that Earl would see like dead people and monsters and go, is this God's way of telling me to stay in this town? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is how a lot of America became the forgotten men is that graboids would come and fuck with their career plans. <laughs> I want to. Okay, so they made a bunch of sequels that were basically like, let's find what a way to go fart? back to. Let's go back. Let's find a way to go back to, you know, perfection. Let's find a way to go back. And the second one, they're like really well equipped. Like, as the movies go on, they get more and more well equipped, but like, also they need to find ways to like make the grab-ons or the, 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 <laughs> a little bit more. Graboids a little bit more. Um, Don't they fly in the second one? They in the second one they they run. I think oh, no. they fly either at the end of the second one or in the third one. I'm sorry. Yeah, they they fly in the third one and it's it's farts that are propelling them. Yes, it's the third one because I because I I just re I just rewatched the second one. So it it the fans are like fans like think the fourth one is cool because it goes back in time and I'm like guys just because a concept is good doesn't mean that it's the movie is good. It's um, it's not the best concept. Yeah, it's like I mean, that's a we're out of ideas concept. Yeah, Peter. No, see, Peter and I were talking about this beforehand. They're like, so yeah, they have a prequel. What? What if this happened in the old west? I can't believe they never went to space. Like, <laughs> like I get logistically, there are problems. I understand, <laughs> but if you've run out of gas, you put those fucking monsters in space, man. Maybe there's that's where they came. They're aliens. They came from space, and then they <gasps> burrowed into the ground, and moving through the atmosphere of space is, like, the same density as moving through the <laughs> dirt. Like, it writes itself. Like, done. First draft. That is the one hell of an ass blast for it to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they landed. Oh, I- well, actually, so actually that brings up a ver- one thing I really like about this movie, where uh, they don't spend any time figuring out where these creatures came from. Or why no one's ever seen one before. They do have a couple of funny jokes where they try to like yeah, hypothesize for like a minute. Like, I don't know, maybe they're from outer space. But then uh, Rhonda's like, well, these are billions of years old because there's no record of them in the fossil record. And this is the first time we're seeing them. That's pretty weird. And that's like where the movie leaves it, which is perfect. Like you – I don't need a backstory on your sandworm creatures. I have bought into the fun and the monster movies and like – here, I think if they made this movie today, you would have a 40-minute sequence setting up, like, some genetic mutation that, like, caused this 70 years ago during nuclear tests in Nevada or something like that. And I, I like that they don't 
wave away completely the idea that there would be questions if these monsters showed up. But they're like, yeah, a minute hypothesizing is all we need. And it also works from a story standpoint because these these people don't have time to figure it out. They just want to get out of the valley. If, if their survival were dependent on them figuring it out, then it would have to become an issue. That's the only way. So that's how you make a good like horror comedy parody thing. I think feel is you go after the logic and the conceits of horror movies, not you have some comedian fuck around for a while. And that, that to me is how you make a proper horror or monster movie satire. Well, it wouldn't only make sense for a dozen people in the situation to figure out, ah, this is what happened because they wouldn't have any real way of gaining information or they couldn't, you know, file for a Freedom of Information Act to say, well, they could hey, do what testing I, were you I doing? I guess if they really wanted to, they could do something from, like, the thing where they stumble upon the crashed UFO. If, if the writers decide, okay, I really want these characters to figure it out. I, I think that's a hard sell that there's, like... There's, like, these giant sandworm monsters with, like, tentacle mouths that also, like, perfected spaceflight. It's a stretch. <laughs> we did That's not steal it. Doesn't yeah, sound like a stretch too. to me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that you disagree, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're the one who was just pitching us tremors in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just free floating in the atmosphere. They don't have a spaceship, Dustin. I don't think see any logistical problems at all. I free feel like it, it all checks out for me. You, do you feel like they operate the levers with their mouths? <laughs> and there's like, They've got enough tugs for it, and they, their version and they are like a smart. healthcare system is like just buying mouthwash for their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're the, the only dexterous part of their body is their tentacle heads. Like they they make the the little uh, puncturing penis heads that are in uh, Alien look super weak because those things just kind of go like forward. These things are like whipping around. They got snake mouths. Like they're way more dexterous than anything else that anything I've got personally. I can't I can't do anything with my tongue. Oh, let me teach you some tricks. Uh, <laughs> you know when your to tongue can break into dark. three and uh, yeah, uh, but uh, I kind of yeah I, I agree that it's probably more evolutionary useful than the alien head, which is kind of like what if you want to eat something but then it's a half inch further away. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you don't when you don't have eyes, that depth perception becomes vitally important. <laughs> now I want to see a xenomorph somehow incubate inside a graboid. See what that would create. I mean, Ridley <laughs> Scott's just doing fucking whatever with those movies. <laughs> so, I think you could shoot him a text. <laughs> Honestly, uh, there's like, whatever, seven animated uh, Starship Troopers movies. Are you telling me one of them doesn't have a Tremors ripoff? <laughs> There's, There's seven animated Starship Troopers. They made they made a ton they made a ton of uh, uh, Starship Troopers like animated movies. I saw the sequel, which I learned later was a repurposed other movie that they added the bugs go to at the beginning and then and then the third one they made a big deal about because it was like this is this is the sequel now and Casper Van Dien's back. Yeah, and I never I never saw that one, but I remember some people going like. It's fine. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It is kinda, it good? It, 
It's sort of like RoboCop <laughs> 2, where I like uh, they, they sort of get the satire of the first, but it doesn't have the quality of direction that the first one had. But the problem is that they have the script being written by Frank Miller, who's a crazy conservative. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah. Frank, Frank we Miller know. wrote Starship Troopers 3? No, RoboCop no. 2. Oh, but gotcha. back then he was back then he was just like a edge lord. It yeah, took it 9/11 before 9/11 to really make him brain. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> what were we talking about? I think we got to a, a turducken of a side. Uh, side <laughs> oh, so my uh, my point was basically that uh, my sequel idea would be that they basically like do what they say they're going to do in the first act of this movie, and they first kill one, and the second act, whatever, and they uh, go on the road with the graboid and try and sell it. Uh, oh, that would be my sequel. That'd be good, and then it gets bought by a museum, and then it becomes like a dinosaur thirteen. Yeah. I was going to say it becomes like Orca, where the other Graboids are pursuing them in revenge to get their kidnapped Graboid bit. That'd be rad. Like, if they if they actually were, like, coming in hot because they're, like, very angry because maybe they took, like, I don't know, Daddy Tremor. <laughs> Daddy Daddy Graboid. Um, but anyway. There, there had to have been, hold on, so in any of the sequels, there had to have been one sequel where they find out, like, we thought the other ones were big. Right? Like that, they had to have found, like, a queen in one of these fucking movies. They got smaller and, uh, they got smaller in the next two. They became, like, almost, like, bull-sized or pig-sized somewhere in the, in that range and land-based. So, like, they, they actually oh, kind of got less imposing in the next two movies. Um, but I can't anyway, understand so- that other than cost, is my guess, because... The underground thing is the thing of this movie. Yeah. Oh, you know what they want in the sequel, right? Smaller. (laughs) (laughs) It does not work. Um, So, uh, what do you you guys make of the the love story in this? Because I think it really works, especially in these Oh, I think it's excellent. Everything about uh, Val and Earl works. Because when you first see Val, it's believable that he's the type who basically knows women either as women who are stuck in... Uh, perfection and and don't have like model appearances so he's mostly going by porn and that's what where he developed his sort of sexual peccadillos then he meets um, her that that he meets Rodia and she's an intelligent resourceful woman who gets him out of scrapes but with quick wits and he learns that that's more important they have a they have a sort of sweetness because Val is not a predatory guy. He's not a player. He's not like this like goon who like is like you know going from woman to woman and and he's just like well you know it, she's the only port in the storm. It's, uh, it's Tammy Lynn Baxter or it's nobody. <laughs> to him, it's not that. It's that like they've been through a lot together. He 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 adjusts his expectations on what a woman should be for him very quickly within the movie and he uh he he, it's a very like sweet kind of thing like you can get behind it because like val is like uses all of the character of valentine uses all of i think kevin bacon's natural charm and also him playing off of fred ward is uh is is really great too because they're like they're great buddies that are always have each other's back and it's nice to have this sort of like triangle where fred ward is like rooting for for val it's like val thinks they're friends and earl thinks val is basically his surrogate son 
which is why they might have more conflict, which might lead to some tension that's, that Val thinks they're equals. And yeah. Like Earl's the guy who's going, I'm older and wiser than you. You're half right. Um, yeah, there's, there's good, there's good, uh, buddy banter on this. That's a, that's a good observation. They seem like, they seem, yeah, they seem like really good friends. And they seem like, um, it seems like the father and uncle, it seems like a father and uncle thing, a father or uncle thing. Um, just cause he keeps like, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta think a couple steps ahead. He's trying to like impart wisdom on him. Or, or yeah. tell him that what matters are the women who can take care of themselves, not the model types. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a it's a, there's some really great central relationships going on here. It's not like really a love triangle. It's like a love V shape because <laughs> um, all the all the love is going towards Valentine. That's the most aerodynamic way for love to travel. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a vector with three points because there's. Earl trying to prop up Val on his way to Rodia or Rhonda. Rodia, I think, is a fictional Marvel country. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just trying to get out of there is what Dustin's saying. Um, <laughs> I think we should talk a little bit about – we kind of mentioned that Ron Underwood is like this director who didn't make uh, any other really amazing movies, although has like a couple of interesting movies to his name. But like the directing on here is really, really good. It looks great. In uh, in HD on widescreen, that's one of the things that always happens when you're like rewatching these movies that were VHS classics. There is a little bit of uh, seeing them with fresh eyes, and sometimes those fresh eyes react by throwing up because they're like, "No, oh, it should never have been. The resolution should have never been that strong." Or something like this, and you're like, "This is beautiful in a way." I never noticed before, but I really liked the obviously influenced by Sam Raimi uh, POV shots of all the worms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's really nice slasher infusion. It's really it really gets you into the speed. Almost of the a little too fast for that because it's not going for like suspense or that sort of thing. It's going for action and thrills. So the camera moves really fast when they do the POV thing. So the cinematography is really good. I'm kind of envious because. Of the resolution you saw this on, because Dustin and I watched a TV copy and then streamed it on HBO, and both times it looks kind of grainy. More, more than kind of to me, like HBO even on HD. I don't know. <clears throat> I know, I, like it, it. They claim they're streaming at like 1080p. It all all their movies look like garbage, which always yeah. sucks because it's like I've caught Mad Max on there and like wanted to watch it, and I'm like. Oh, not like this, though. <laughs> okay, if, if, if they're messing up Mad Max, then yeah, I'll trust it's not HBO's fault. Then yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great looking movie uh, on in HD. Um, I will say uh, because we discussed in a uh, past episode. Uh, it's not out yet, <laughs> but uh, it's actually kind of tough to shoot a lot of uh, these landscapes, these Western landscapes, in a way that is uh, visually appealing. Because they're so flat, they're so yeah. dry. Yeah. And- so when I crossed the country to to move out to San Diego, I kept taking pictures of this stuff because I was like, this looks like all the Westerns that like I grew up on and I love. Like this looks like, this, this, is, this just like, looks so gorgeous. And like half my pictures are just like, oh, it just looks like a hill. Do you know about, do you know about filters? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should have done more. Oh, man. You can make all the backgrounds have crazy cat eyes. (laughs) (laughs) They're great. Yeah. You can take great pictures on top of a mountain anywhere, but like in the valleys and like in wider prairies and stuff, it's it's actually kind of hard. So uh, the fact that the movie looks great is uh, is a is a a credit to it. Um, What else haven't we had a chance to talk about here? This it's a very brief uh, movie. Uh, and on top of that, it it really is like just one kind of giant, let's get out of this situation. Oh, shit, a new situation has uh, come up that we need to – I would like to just call attention to a couple moments that I think are very funny, which is when they ask Michael Gross what the cannon fuse is for, for the grenade making. And he's just like – with, <laughs> with a pretty deadpan. Anytime there's a cannon that just delights Adam because I think his favorite scene in the show – is from Blackadder when Blackadder has to duel the Duke of Wellington, and he unva- and he removes a cu- a sheet from a cannon and says, "Yes, we duel with cannons." <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that. Anytime there's a duel, anytime there's a cannon. And <laughs> I also That's- love the um when when Michael Gross is on the um. The tank thing or whatever, the oil drum that they're driving around, there's a part where he thinks he's going to die and he looks so at peace with the fact that he might have to hold a grenade and jump to his death that his wife is like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> like, was this guy, was he like too young for Vietnam or something? Maybe Yeah, he, like, he wants to die dodger. like an honorable death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe he's but like, like he's really into or something. It. Yeah, because yeah, he doesn't seem like PTSD riddled or something. They didn't go with that particular stereotype because it's, it's also Michael Gross. Michael Gross is like, he's America's dad. He was on Family Ties, right? Like he's one of those, he's got that Bob Saget kind of thing going on where like, well, I guess Bob Saget thing gets ruined as soon as you see him do any stand-up but uh he uh fuck shit cock (laughs) there's like this odd wholesomeness to him even when he's playing a character that seems nutty and if you met him in real life you'd be scared of that guy yeah you believe in his convictions in this movie so but you don't you don't see it as like a him wanting to die like him being like so rattled with anxiety it's him being like having these insane ideas about what being uh you know what masculinity is and what being a man is and like basically he's like well my political d- beliefs that i've been touting my entire life kind of demand that i go out like this yeah. so if it's gotta happen plus, plus nobody's afraid of him so that's true like, that's that's yeah. true everyone yeah. kind of treats him like a goof because he's he that, that that's why the michael gross casting really works but casting someone that looks like they were like vietnam uh, you know, ravaged uh, would have changed the character, I think. Yeah, if you cast Rip Torn. <laughs> he helps yeah. sell the fact of why this valley is so hard to get to and why their outs are so limited. Uh, why their outs are so limited because when they're talking about how else they'll get out and uh, people are like, well, there's got to be another way. He like jumps in and is like, nope, no other way out. That's why we chose this place to live. Total geographic isolation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 he kind of, he kind of loves it. And then he only gets mad at anybody. He only loses that dad cool when he's like, listen, we built up our little like suicide hutch back there. And you took that away from me. Why, why do you get to be the big man here? Like he wants to be the big man. 
They could have just lured the Graboids into breaking down all the other walls and killed the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, th- three Graboids, three walls. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a Night of the Living Dead conversation between... More yeah, Night of the Living Dead, that's perfect. It, it's what if strategy. Harry Cooper was likable. <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh rewatching Night of the Living Dead recently, especially for the show, um in the month that you guys were on our Day of the Dead episode. It was fascinating because at at it it, it was the first time I ever watched it where I was like, everybody is kind of an asshole. Uh, because I was like, well, yeah, 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 obviously, like, the, you know, the guy can... is, the guy is, uh, you know, upstairs is like, uh, you know, he's he's taking command, he's being a, the big guy, he's being boss, but like, the reason that some people are reacting funny is because he's kind of being an asshole to everybody, and then he doesn't react well when other people are like, okay, let's make amends, um, in this, it's a similar thing almost where it's like, well, yeah, I mean, once Michael Gross has decided he's taking command, if uh, it's, you know, if anybody takes command and it's not working, he's going to turn on them quickly. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, also, Harry is in an important way right about yes. Night of the Living Dead. So that's a pretty big score against Ben. And in the end, Ben does what Harry suggested from the beginning. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think that clicked for me with Night of the Living Dead. I think that this movie, I think for sure the house, I think their their bunker for sure would have gotten taken down. They had like all the same weapons and shit they had back home, and they had food, so they could like wait it out a little bit longer. Like in a sense, Michael Gross is right. Like they they stand they stood just as good of a chance back home as they did in the mountains, right? It was weird though that line at the end where he's like. This town isn't going to work for us anymore. Let's go move to Waco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that wasn't a reference, right? That was yeah, no, that hadn't happened moved yet. Right? To Waco, yeah. No, I mean the Waco massacre hadn't happened yet. No, no, that was just him just now, Dustin. That's oh, actual. Oh, okay, <laughs> not a line in the movie. <laughs> okay, here we'll do it again. Ready? Let's go move to Ruby Ridge. <laughs> when there, is that more uh, chronological? When did he say that for you? W- were they on the rock by that point? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I swear um, to God, if we get out of here, we're moving right to Ruby Ridge. <laughs> so, what else uh, what else do you guys uh what else haven't we gotten to yet so I, my favorite kind of moment in the movie is when they realize that uh pole vaulting is one way they can get from rock oh to rocks. yes it's great, great yes, everybody it, is so damn clever and resourceful in this movie and it's awesome except yes, elvin it's, it's great because in monster movies i like to see something other than let's just repeat the same trick over and over again so sometimes in monster movies it's like oh so we ran into this room and we shot at him and it didn't work and then we ran into this room and we shot at him and it didn't work and then that's the movie basically Barring people tripping, people falling, people, you know, maybe maybe they made some more damage, but it's, you know, it doesn't work out. Um, in this movie, it's constantly people having to figure out ways to out outsmart the Graboids, and the Graboids are also getting smarter. And I think the pole vaulting scene is great because it kind of lays out what kind of movie you're going to see. One, I don't think it's a super gory movie. I don't think it's a movie intent on, you know, watching, you know, like, go watch, uh, you know... Uh, this group of people just murder a bunch of aliens. It's not a Starship Troopers thing. It's it's a movie about people kind of trying to uh, be in a battle of wits with this new species. And the pole vaulting scene kind of 
elaborates the tone of the movie because it's it's kind of fun and funny, but it's also scary because it's like without this, they would have been dead. They would have died on that rock. I also like it because I like seeing athletes perform at the highest level. (laughs) (laughs) It also has a single funniest moment in the movie, too, that doesn't involve Bert, where Earl tries to pull vault. Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's great. He just gets maybe halfway up and then falls back. After he's mocking Val for, like, being scared to do it. And it, he looks, it looks like it's it shot so perfectly, it looks like it could be a legitimate outtake that they left in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. What about you guys? I think you hit most of the points. I'm trying to think if I had to name a favorite scene. Maybe the the climax, perhaps. Just the calling back to the stampede and having oh, the, yeah. the location of the cliff at the... Very start of the movie. I guess I like that part. He does like a little Toro thing. Um, (laughs) With less animal cruelty implications. Uh, I think this movie sets up and and pays off a lot of things. And I think that's what Red Letter Media liked about it so much. Yeah, that they do the thing where they, uh, the Roxas's paper. Oh, yeah. To determine whether Val or Earl does it, and Val and Earl love each other so much that they are fighting over which one's going to risk their lives. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great scene. I love Kevin Bacon's attempt to subvert it. Ah, shoot, I lost. Guess I'm going to have to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it it is really sweet. I do like that their relationship never gets compromised. It's more like those two against the world. Um, They never fight over the girl. Like, it's... it's, uh, They never get pissed that one screwed up something or kept some diabolical secret that changes everything. Like, I used to work on the genetic mutation site that built these. Why don't you tell me, Earl? I didn't want to hurt your feelings. This is is kind of a good movie for, like, if you come up with a great concept, uh, leaving it a mystery is kind of, like, it can be the right move. Just do the concept. Yeah, just do the concept. You don't need... Too many movies, I, I think, especially nowadays, try to, I think, anticipate every problem an audience could potentially have with it and answer it. And it's like, I'm not reading a textbook. Like, I'm not looking for the bibliography at the end of your movie to see if everything checks out. Just, like, make the movie you want to make. And if it's internally consistent enough, I'm going to like it. If it's well outside of the – like, if, if characters' motivations are changing from scene to scene, like, that's the part that's going to take me out of it or make me feel like it's not realistic. But fucking – it's a movie. You don't need to justify worm creatures. I've seen other movies. I know about the magic of, of the silver screen. It's like Francis Ford Coppola said that bad movies ha- and good movies have as many little niggling flaws the – differences with good movies you don't care yeah and yes, that's why exactly. so many people hate cinema sins so much exactly well and they're inaccurate but yeah that's why people hate nitpickers like well it's why the goofs the goof section on imdb has become a joke in its of, of itself for people that have found these kind of insane quote-unquote goofs and published them and with with any level of sincerity that they're like who who cares about this? Uh, and the, the film Carlito's Way takes place in 1973. Carlito is seen eating a Chiquita banana. The sticker on the Chiquita banana is clearly from the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, what? How, what do, you, how do people are, notice what are you these this things? For? Just playing it, like, frame by frame with a, like, what is that? Uh, cinema. Zoom in. 
Enhance. <laughs> you, you caught them. You caught them. They didn't actually go back in time to shoot this period piece. Yeah, that person who shared that information settled on IMDb. His first call was to the government. <laughs> Are you aware of this? This is well, what Alex Jones should be doing. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, unless there's anything else, I think we can move on to final thoughts. Are there any other uh, final scenes or thoughts before we just kind of move into kind of a wrap up? Um, yeah, no, I have I have no final thoughts. I think I think we kind of capped it. This is a very neat and sweet kind of movie. I think it's a, it's a movie about friendship. It's a movie that is about you know it's a small little ensemble piece, but. Um, my only issue with it, yeah, is is I wish it had a little bit more characterization from the particular group of people that get slaughtered, which is, you know, just a problem with horror movies in general. Not every movie can be John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, but, yeah, that's... Uh, not even other movies named The Thing. Yeah, not even, not even other movies named The Thing with a pretty good cast. No. <laughs> not even a lot of other John Carpenter movies. No. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's just basically that and Escape from L.A., which I believe we all agreed was the best of the two escape movies. Anyway, uh, no, this I I love – I say this a lot on this show and it's because we do it a lot where you get to revisit these movies that were you know VHS classics for you that just – somehow you never picked up on DVD or you never ended up going on Blu-ray and getting it and it's an excuse to watch it. And I'm so glad that Peter brought it on the show because I would have never said a bad thing about Tremors before, but I could see it now being – Something that's more on the top of my mind for a recommendation or something to throw on during a Halloween rewatch re or uh, just a just a fun movie night if we have uh, you know a hundred minutes or something like that to kill because this sometimes you can appreciate a movie and then watch it and realize that you didn't give it enough credit even though you had very fond memories of it and you know rewatching this like Peter like you said this wasn't a bunch of masters producing their best version of art it was a bunch of people who. You know, kind of had <laughs> ended up having somewhat of a mediocre career, all like connecting on one idea and delivering a perfect B level A budget monster movie. It it didn't even win much for it, it didn't get nominated for a single Academy Award. Not even the worm. And it really should have been nominated for something. Lifetime Achievement Award, the worm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, for, for 1990, worms. I think that the special effects are really impressive in particular because they're still doing just good compositing work and, and good practical effects and they're building full-size models and everything. It's 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 really impressive. I wish that it had gotten some sort of nod uh, on that front um, because yeah. it, it's, always, it's always fun. Like, even if these monster movies don't get, you know, like, uh, you know, acting considerations, like, at least, like, you're looking at special effects, at least look at the fucking monster movies where they have people like Phil Tippett and Stan Lee, uh, Stan Lee, not Stan Lee, Phil Tippett and, you know, these other like Stan Lee just made doing... an exact replica of the thing special effects and called it yeah. his own. <laughs> like every year that Rob Bottin made a movie, why was that movie not winning the special oh, effects yeah. award? There's, and there's so many that and when you see special effects now, it's kind of moved to like, who's the best animator? Uh, and I know that's not <laughs> productive, but it is a little bit of that where you know, they get to kind of work in this clean environment and basically press buttons on a computer and they do fantastical work. I'm not trying to to degrade the amazing special effects that I've seen and probably get nominated nowadays. But there, there's a difference between that and like, okay, I need to build a working creature 
that spurts orange blood. How do I do that? Now, where almost all those movies, when you were creating a Tremors or a thing, they needed to figure out how to do stuff for the first time. And maybe no one used it. Maybe someone took a technique later on. But they eventually had to invent how something was going to work using these techniques. And, you know, most special effects nowadays, like, they can enhance what's already been invented. But for the most part, it feels like they're just following a template and doing it a little better than other people. So it really was, you know, that is kind of the saddest thing about the special effects nowadays is it it feels less personal. It feels less um, like it's really can be revolutionary. And the last time I could think of a phys- all physical effects movie is The Void and it didn't really do and it didn't have enough of a story to hang its special effects on. Yeah, I love the void, but it's it's you know, it's budget conscious, so it's and practical effects are very expensive now. So it was really light on them, I thought too. So I liked it as a horror movie, but I wouldn't think of it too much as a practical effect movie. It, this is kind of a weird thing for me. I have I know the name Kevin Bacon. I couldn't name a single other movie he's in. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I oh um, like you still he's can. In, he's in wild. He's in wild things, right? Yeah, yeah. you get to see his okay. Dick. That- Welcome to Richard Talk. <laughs> Guess what? You get to see in wild things. Kevin Bacon's dick. <laughs> That's the other movie I'm familiar with of his. So, it, it, to me, it, this was obviously like being sold on Kevin Bacon. Like he was the most expensive single thing in the movie. So it seems. There's such a disconnect now that I can't imagine selling a movie on his name anymore. I am trying to – I feel like there has to be a movie I'm going to be able to get you on. Like, fine, you haven't seen Footloose. I haven't seen Footloose even though I'm aware of it. It's especially insane because this is literally a man – I haven't who, seen Footloose. This is literally a man who Hello inspired – he was in so many movies. He inspired a fucking game about how many <laughs> movies he is. Yeah. So, let me, let me go through this. So, you haven't seen Animal House? Uh, I don't remember him in it. Diner? It's been a very long time since I saw Animal House. Apollo 13? JFK? I, a Few Good Men? I didn't men? see. I didn't see. What was the third one? A Few Good Men? I didn't see that You've one. You've never seen Apollo 13? I have not. you seen X-Men First Class? Uh, I don't remember him in it. He's that a Nazi guy. doctor. He's a pretty he's like the small part guy. in it. Is, <laughs> he's is the it? main villain. He's like one of the main oh. guys. Do you have – this is a rare disease, but do you have Ke- Kevin Bacon blindness? <laughs> <laughs> I Whatever I heard six degrees of Kevin Bacon, I would think – You thought it was like the Kelvin scale? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I, I would eat bacon that's warmer than six degrees as a rule. Yeah, I mean, you really should. Listeria is no <laughs> joke. Um, so that was a weird thing to find out about Dustin. Again, I think I got some new facts locked and loaded uh, for the next time we play. Who knows more stuff about the Kosky brothers? But uh, did you guys have any other final thoughts on Adam on Tremors? Uh, I guess it's not exactly a final thought. More an area we haven't touched on much is I, I should be continuing my streak of not liking the, the score a lot for this movie. Like it just seemed kind. Of, I mean, I know there are two creators for it so oh, it, it didn't seem to mix together too well and it's like occasionally there's twangy guitars and other times it's yeah, like it's classical orchestral i guess not liking country maybe then it'd be hard for me to like a movie with love country music oh man if you don't like country i would recommend the movie maverick 
which we will be covering next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, so, don't they do orchestral mostly for that one? Yeah, oh, but, but then they have a weird like 1994 pop country song that covers over a montage, and it is uh, poorly thought out. The, the okay. whole like last act of the movie has some of it, but but yeah, it, it, with regards to Tremor's score, um, yeah, it's a little it's a little dated, but at least it's just like kind of like fun, jumpy. Like it, it accomplishes the tone of the movie. I, I, it's it's no great shakes though. It's fun dated instead of eye rolling dated. Like if they put hip hop music or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like disco or I feel like jump jumps good advice for these people. <laughs> good, those good 1990 hip hop songs. Yeah. For some reason, while this movie was playing, I wrote a little uh, mashup of it in my head, and I'll sing that at the end to get us out of here. Well, that's perfect. Cannot wait to hear it. Uh, you guys, what do you, what do you guys want to promote? We want to promote our upcoming dark fantasy book, Not Meant to Know. It's being it's currently being edited by Elizabeth W. Ooh. She's almost. I said, ooh, I, as in not like gross. I meant like, oh, like a, <laughs> like a, like a happy surprise noise. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, she's yeah. one of the star editors at the Literary <laughs> Society. Um, it's a book about a cult member or sort of high-ranking cult member who takes an apprentice under his wing, but he's keeping secrets from her that endanger not just, that endanger pretty much everybody. As they go around trying to deal with uh, crises that you need somebody who's in an occult to sort out. I've said it yeah, before I- on the show, I love occult fiction, so and I love your guys' writing, so I'm I'm excited for that one. Yeah, and I, I have a I have a draft of this I have a draft of the book and I've started reading it and I am pretty fond of it. I'm really excited to see where it oh. goes. I'll read it once Thank you. Uh, Elizabeth takes a crack at it. <laughs> well, she's <laughs> taking the crack at it. Yeah. But yeah, thank you guys so much for coming. We're, we have two more movies uh, this month, Peter, for our Nostalgia Audit. Next week is Maverick. And then we're wrapping it up with Ghostbusters 2. And those are both uh, Peter and Aaron joints that, spoilers, we may have recorded already. <laughs> um, so, so I can tell you one is better than the other, but tune in to find out which is which. Uh, <laughs> That's actually a good stinger because I don't know where, if people know where we'll land. Uh, no, we have. I mean, we have not talked about our feelings on Ghostbusters Two or Maverick yet uh, on this podcast. I don't think I'd have to double check what we said at the end of Play of the we Navigator. But great. Perfect. So, yeah, it's a surprise. Do we like Ghostbusters 2? Are we like, yeah, this movie's the worst ever. Um, I hate things. Or do we think different thoughts than that? Uh, (laughs) Do you remember when I said it's a good good camper? And then you were like, let me spend three minutes explaining why this isn't that interesting. You know what? Uh, I feel fever coming on. I feel like I've been keeping it together pretty well. Uh, This, you know. We'll Let's see how much, bed, sweetie. Yeah, thank you. Could someone, if someone could drive down here and tuck me in, yeah, uh, me a story. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, think... By the way, you guys are closer by about forty hours. So if you okay, Dustin, that... I'm gonna ro- rock scissors paper for it. <laughs> <laughs> I I win. There you go. Paper pu- uh, rock punches through paper. <laughs> I put that graboid. Good night, you guys. Both are gonna. Well, hold on. Oh, Dustin. sorry. I thought you said good night. I thought you were just interrupting. I'm mean, definitely interrupting, but Dustin, I heard you have a little little croon 
you want to give us <laughs> oh yeah layout? dustin would you like to sing as you have in the uh, episodes past okay the, do you, you want us to set know? you up better than than just asking you to sing so it seems more natural than <laughs> it you either know the reference what this is referencing or parodying or this is just going to be the deadest air ever on this podcast <laughs> okay okay could not be more excited it's tremors monsters underground oh yeah it's tremors <laughs> do not make a sound <laughs> valinor will wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the graboids <laughs> you lost the rhyming meter a little <laughs> so do they in that song great song <laughs> were you singing the lion version or definitely the lion version, <laughs> version. you can't go back to that tv version beforehand well good, good night On that, <laughs> the, most, the most awkward of all awkward endings <laughs> folks thanks for listening to we love to watch thank you so much for listening to our show and we've got just a few quick announcements for you there ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs baby if you'd like to talk to us uh tell us we're stupid tell us we're beautiful the quickest way to get to us is our facebook group facebook.com slash we love to watch or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available if you don't use iTunes. We're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.